0: You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Hour number two to The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studio, serving Calgary and Southern Alberta since 1992. They got you covered for everything basement-y. Joe Siddle, Blue Jays analyst for Sportsnet, will join us at the bottom of the hour. Peter Labardius, Calgary Flames Analyst for Sports at 960 at 8 o'clock. 830, Billy Jaffe, Bruins Analyst for Nesson. But right now, we're giving away some tickets. We got a pair of tickets to the 5th Annual Cowboys Wing-Off. It goes down Thursday, March 9th from 6 to 9 p.m. Um, all in support of Sport Calgary, so it's also a good cause. I think you and I will be there for that. Yeah, eating some wings.
2: Some, yeah. Some maybe paste, you
1: can notes. Maybe you can wipe some wing sauce off Matty Rose's mustache if he'll let you. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Why not? Uh, your chance to win tickets right now. We're asking you these two games against the Bruins and Maple Leafs. Should that influence what the Flames do at the trade deadline? 960, 960. Name and location. Please put your name and location. If you want to call in, if you don't want to, that's fine. Mm hmm. 403 240 And generally, when we give out the number, if you call in, you have a better chance at winning tickets. 403 240 Should these next two games against the Bruins and Maple Leafs influence the Flames at the trade deadline? Matt Rose, should these next two games influence what the Flames do?
2: I don't think so. I think the path is pretty much set at this point. I think that you're probably looking at maybe adding a little tinker type of stuff, maybe moving out a mid to late round pick or a, a B to C level prospect to maybe add something on the third pair, or maybe you want to add a centerman to move Trevor Lewis back to the right side, but then Walker Dewar's been playing well, but I don't see this team going out and making a big splash, and I don't think that these next two games played against Eastern Conference opponents and a couple of good ones should necessarily dictate because it's the team that has had... You know, games where they play really well, but the overarching uh, body of work, I think, speaks for itself.
1: Um, I, I'm seeing a lot of uh, this team should sell, sell, sell. I know. When you look at the unrestricted free agents on this team, you have Milan Lucic in his $5.25 million ticket. So the Flames would have to eat half of that, at least. Um, Trevor Lewis, unrestricted free agent. Brett Ritchie, unrestricted free agent. What are you you getting for those guys? Yeah, you have to start... You're not really getting anything for those guys. You have to
2: start looking... Like, here's the thing. This season is not that exciting as far as what the Flames could do. But next year... Next year is intriguing because if this thing doesn't find a way to right the ship and this team ends up being sellers, then... There is a lot of players that will be on expiring deals that I think other teams would be very interested. Michael Backlund at a 5.35 cap hit. Elias Lindholm at a 4.85 cap hit. Tyler Toffoli, 4.25. Dylan Dubé is an RFA, so maybe a little bit different there. But then you look at the blue line. Hannafin's under 5 mil. Yeah. Chris Tanev is at 4.5. Nikita Zodorov's at 3.75. All those guys are UFAs after the 23-24 season. That's when things really start to get interesting for me. Oliver Shillington, to whatever extent that would be. And then Jacob Markstrom would have two more years after that. So that would be what I say. You have to start looking at some guys that maybe have um, the extra year of term on their deal. And, you know, it's, it's not out of the ordinary for those type of guys to be dealt. You know, typically we do see a lot of, uh, you know, UFAs, but not always. Nino Niederreiter, for instance, just got moved. He's on a $4 million cap hit. He's got one more year after this.
1: Yeah. Um, Noah is the guy that would be super interesting to me. Uh, he would garner a lot of interest, but obviously there, there's no word. No, the, Why would the Flames want to trade Noah Hannafin because of this? This is a win-now team. And mm-hmm. I thought uh, what Lou and uh, Derek talked about on Saturday night in the postgame show was really interesting. They said they believe this team is better on paper than it was last season. Do you agree with that?
2: Um marginally, I will say I could him and haw about it i don't I don't know if it's necessarily black and white. I think that there's there's certain areas where this team is certainly better on paper, like down the middle, whereas last year they were really top heavy yeah but i i I could buy into that for sure that they're a better team on paper this year. Although I wouldn't say it's by a football field, more of a couple of inches.
1: Like I, I, I don't know. I, I still think this team can make it to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And again, I, I oh, without a doubt, the playoffs are yeah. for sure. And and again, like you get into the playoffs, you potentially could be the number one wild card team. You could be the number two wild card team. If the Flames played a series against the Vegas Golden Knights, would would you really be that afraid of Vegas in the first round of the playoffs? Would you be that terrified of the Dallas Stars if they can hang on to this division, but the Avalanche are coming hard now in that division? Yeah, Avalanche and Flames in round one, it could be eight days and see you later for the Calgary Flames. But outside of a first-round matchup with the Avalanche, does anybody else scare you in this conference if you're the Flames? The answer is no. Who else scares you? I think scares is an
2: interesting term. Like, I think the Flames would have a a fighting chance against teams like Vegas and Dallas. I absolutely think they would have a fighting chance against a team like Vegas. Winnipeg and Seattle. Yes. Colorado, like we saw over the weekend, might be a little bit different. But listen, like, it's been fascinating to watch the Eastern Conference load up and the Western Conference mostly stay pat. And you always wonder what that's going to mean when you get to the Stanley Cup final. Is it going to be an East team that just dominates? Is it going to be the West team still end up beating the brakes off each other because it's the playoffs and it doesn't really matter? It's just going to be a better beat-up team beating a worse beat-up team in the Stanley Cup final? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I, could see a, I could see a situation where the Flames, like, like scared is an interesting term. So much of this, I look at the net minders, and there aren't many situations where I would say the Flames have an edge, especially against teams they would play in the first round. <laughs>
1: well, The, the way Oilers. The, the way their goaltending is playing right now, they don't have an edge against anybody. Yeah, 100%. They have the worst save percentage since the All-Star break. Dead last in the NHL in team save percentage. But if they play the Vegas Golden Knights, who knows what they'll do. And they've just got Barbashev, which I think is a nice little pickup for them. Yep. But... And we don't know
2: Stone's return status or right. Logan Thompson week to week have yeah. to be
1: back before the end of the year. Or is going to scare you in net no. for the Golden Knights, although he made that remarkable save over the weekend. Like you look at the Kings, Phoenix Copley going to scare you, Jonathan Quick, Quick let in some bad ones yesterday against the Rangers. I know, yeah, he's won a couple cups, but that's another team. Not, not that the Kings, well, the Kings can absolutely catch the Vegas Golden Knights for top spot. The Oilers are obviously lurking around too. And he you've played the Oilers in the first round of the playoffs, you like your chances if you're the Calgary Flames. You got a better than Puncher's chance of beating the Oilers out of the playoffs. I think, yeah,
2: across the board, especially with the way Connor Hellebuck's game has started to slip lately. Yeah. like That was my one thing a couple weeks ago. I was like, there's no way that... Watching Jake Ottinger in the first round of the playoffs, there's no way that I want a Vesna favorite in the first round of the postseason, especially against a team that struggles to score in the Calgary Flames. Yeah. Dallas Stars, Jake Ottinger would scare me a little bit. Uh, The Stars have
3: lost like eight of their last
1: 11 here too. So they ain't good. And and it feels like the Avalanche are going to track them down.
2: Oh, the Avalanche, Like I'd be stunned if they don't win this division. Right. They've got two games in hand and they're three points back. And they've won five games in a row. Right. And they're getting healthier. Yeah. And they're doing this without McCarr too. The biggest thing is Kale McCarr and Gabe Landeskog. They're doing this without their captain and without the best defenseman in the NHL.
1: Yeah. They've won five games in a row. Um, It's interesting to me what Seattle does here too. Mm-hmm. because that's a team I'm sure wants to get into the dance here. They've really started to fade here after having such a good first half of the season. Yep. The like, Are they going to go out there? Are they going to make a move to potentially try to solidify a playoff spot? I think that's very interesting. And if Seattle goes out there and makes a couple big moves, does that make Brad Tree Living a little more likely to make a bit of a splash here to add to this team? That's fascinating to me because we keep talking about it. This conference is wide open outside of the avalanche. 100%. And if the Flames win a playoff series this year with how it's been so up and down, so inconsistent, they haven't won back-to-back games in months, would that be a successful season if the Flames won a playoff series this year? With everything that happened in the summer and with everybody so hurt about how things went down this summer and how everybody was excited about the Huberto O. and Kadri acquisitions... Would winning a playoff series be a success for the Calgary Flames this season?
2: When you compare it to how the season began and how the expectations were going into the season, I would say no. But then again, if you compare it to where they are at the trade deadline or even where they are at the midway point in the season, how the first half of the year has gone, if they are able to get into the first round you're pro- or into the playoffs, you're expecting them to probably be you know, a bottom half seed for sure in the postseason. So they're not going to be a favorite against whoever they face. If they're able to get out of the first round, that tells me that in the final quarter of the season, there was significant growth in the roster, and they were able to get things sorted out in the playoffs where it mattered most. And we've been saying the whole time, man, this is a playoff team. Although, you know, you got to get there. I think that there would be a certain level of success taken from a first round victory in the bow season. I think that if you asked fans and, and the Flames in particular, going into the year, would you be happy with winning the first round and bowing out in round two? Everyone would say no. It's not enough. That's what just happened.
1: It yeah. has to be better than that. But, but there are way more expectations last season on this team than this season. True. But I think that last season, the
2: expectations, once again, going into the season, I don't know if a lot of people said, man, this team's going to win the division. Right. And then by the midway point, it was like, if they don't win the division, then what? Right. They were completely different years. And your expectations have to kind of adapt as the season goes on. I think we've seen it, but I don't know. A first-round victory, I'd love it. Getting to the playoffs. Playoffs are fun.
1: Yeah,
2: You know, even one round would be nice.
1: More would be better. Again, there's just so much negativity and pessimism surrounding this team. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I, again, I'm seeing it on the text line. What are you talking about? There's no chance in hell they're getting to the playoffs. What are you talking about? I like, know. This conference That's the thing sucks. the I've been saying all the year long. The conference sucks. They don't play in a good division. They don't play in a good conference. No, it's not, like, it's not like they're in the Atlantic right now. And they're not the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. Like, they're not a bad team. Yeah. We're not they're, hallucinating here. They're not a great team. We're not they're hallucinating not a, about the Flames have a good chance of winning a playoff series. No. It's unlikely, I would argue. Or getting into the playoffs, like you really think Seattle's that much better than Calgary? The only problem there is you don't play Seattle the rest of the way, and you okay, drop sure. too many points against them. And, and I, I think Seattle and Calgary are about on pace par with about one another. I sure, think. are the Winnipeg Jets far superior to the Calgary Flames lately, Patrick? Not lately, no. And even Rick Bonus calls out his team; they get they get no goals against the Islanders. They can't score. They can't get any shots. It
3: wasn't even buck in net last yesterday. So. And Hellebuck Big save Dave was not making saves. And yesterday. wasn't to blame in that Islander game, or in the 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 game against Colorado either. Yeah. So. Well, and
2: he bailed them out against the Rangers, yeah. earned them like their only win in their last seven games, and yep. he stood on his
3: head, made like fifty stops. Like Dallas is not playing great. LA's been playing a little bit better of late. Yeah. Somehow the Minnesota are second Minnesota's in their division. Minnesota's been better of late. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, it's it is wide open, and, and like, but Calgary is right there with everyone else in this group. They're not. Great. Yep. They're not bad. We're not
1: saying this is it's a Stanley Cup right. contender. No. No. But we're saying this is a playoff contender uh-huh. and they can maybe win a series. There's they're... no one breathing down their neck. That helps. Yep. They got no
3: one to worry about. Nashville is them. selling, selling, selling. And so they only really have to worry about just and worry they're... about them ahead of themselves.
2: And the Predators are banged up too. Ryan yeah. Johansson's pretty much done for the season now after yeah. a leg injury. And then they traded Genoa and they traded Nita Like, it they're six point they're eight points back to the best team in the comp or the best team in the in the central they're ten points back to the best team in the west
1: are they going to be finished the best team in the west hell no and it's not like the flames but that's not a big lead they haven't been getting saves and it's not like the flames are getting blown out in games like Saturday they they got yeah that wasn't they, close they got beat up by the avalanche yeah aside from that Milan Lucic uh, aside but,
2: from Curtis McDermott, they yeah, got beat up who by who got by hit right on the beak
1: yeah. But it's not like the Flames are getting skated out of the barn every every night. No, they're not. Mm-mm. They 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 lead the NHL in one goal games, thirty five of them, in twenty two one goal losses. Even if three of these overtime games went the other way, they're in a play. They're almost in a playoff spot. They're right behind the Kraken, mm-hmm. one point back. Twelve overtime losses. Twelve yeah.
2: points left on the board in You're extra I mean. time in fake hockey.
1: Yes, yes. In times where you're not getting a save when you need a save. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking back to that Ottawa game where Stutzla just... That thing is going to that...
2: be just like burned in my mind
1: Yeah, because it was such a because weak it was wrister. Like... And it was a game that you had. And even the game in Vegas, you had that game won. And <sighs> then that second goal goes in by White Cloud on Vladar, breaks the back of the flames. Like if this team has been getting saves this season, which they haven't, this is a playoff team. Oh, yeah. Like... You, 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 the numbers don't lie. Man. You can win three, two games with their top team. three in the NHL in shots four and shots against that Matt. That means something to me, but you're just not getting any saves having the worst save percentage since the all-star break. That's something we talked about it on Friday being 28th in the NHL in save percentage. That's a problem. Yeah, that's a big problem. A hundred percent. And we've seen flashes where this team does look good. I'm not saying this is a Stanley cup contender, but it's not as bad as people make it out to be. And the it other really thing, isn't. The other and, thing, and, I'm, and I'm being positive Pete this morning. You I are. I know I want to nurture your hopes of this being a playoff team, but they're not as bad as some people on the text line are trying to make this team out to be. Because here's newsflash. You're not tearing this thing down. Not right now. No. You you signed Huberto and codry here. This is a win-now team for the next, I don't know how many years. And Uyghur. Yeah, and like the list goes on. Yeah, like Lindholm extension has to be top of the list in the off season. It's got to be, but we're not I think there yet. The direct, yeah,
2: well, I think top of the list would probably be Brad True Living and then Elias Lindholm, but sure, sure. Um, um, Blake Coleman signed for five more years. Yeah.
1: Let's give away some tickets here. Oh um, yeah. Nine sixty, nine sixty name and location. One more point, George. Yes. Uh,
2: on being a playoff team, sure. What is the opposite? You finish eighteenth.
1: Then what? You're not you're pick, not bad enough to get Connor Bedard. Pick pick fifteenth. What are as, you gonna do? With as that? soon
2: as you get into that fourth echelon of players that nobody really thinks is a franchise level player, yeah. Not good enough. Um I keep tr- saying this to people who wanted to tank. You had to make that decision way earlier. Because the other there's a lot of teams that have Taking this to heart, Columbus, Anaheim, Chicago, San Jose, they Coyotes, they
1: could have once. Kudrow and Chuck, Chuck wanted to leave. A hundred percent. That's what I tanked. mean. Yeah, yeah. But but
2: you're not catching. Again, any I wasn't of these here yet. Garbage but, teams. But
1: from the outside, people were so hurt by how things went down. The pride that was emanating from Calgary when you guys made those moves, the whole country felt it. Oh yeah. Oh, it's like, oh, really? You don't want to be here? We just got Codger and Huberto and Weger, right? And they're here forever. Yeah, literally forever. Um, your chance to win uh, two tickets to the fifth annual Cowboys wing-off, Thursday, March 9th, 960-960, um, name and location. Should these next two games influence what the Flames do at the deadline? Uh, texty McTexterson, our SportsCent 960, the fan text-reading robot. Uh, he joins us now to give away some tickets. Oh, Texty.
0: Joel in Calgary, next two games won't influence at all. We are who we are. Don't have the juice.
2: Gotta have the juice. Okay. Although I think you'd rather have the sauce because it takes the sauce longer to expire. Yeah, I know. Expire. Yeah. I think.
1: Again, and, and I understand why people have dealt with mediocrity with this franchise for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. But just looking at this team now, like, the conference sucks. It does. It, you look at what's going on in the East, the arms race in the East. Yep. Like the Rangers and Devils, Leafs, Lightning in round one. My goodness. The, the Sabres are upstart. They got nothing to lose. Like they could potentially, if they get into the playoffs. Hell, Pittsburgh got back into a spot yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> right. Here's so, the. The Hurricanes play a Sabres team that's got nothing to lose. Who knows what happens in that first round of the playoffs?
2: The Islanders have made a big ad. The Rangers have made a big ad. The Devils have made a big ad. The Lightning, the Leafs, and the Bruins have all made a big ad. Yeah. Only four of those teams are going to get past the first round.
1: Uh, What else we got, Texty?
0: Steven in Lethbridge. I say if they lose both games, they don't make any moves. They'll be too far out of playoff spot and it will show that they can't compete with top-tier teams like the Bruins and Leafs.
2: Okay.
1: I don't think that's out of... Yeah, that's pretty standard. But what what's the attitude of the fan base if they win these next two games? <laughs> Unlikely, but what is the attitude of the fan base?
2: I honestly don't think it changes
1: that much. You don't think so? <sighs> This year, I, man. I, again, that's that's what's being a fan. It's ups and downs. I it's know ebbs and flows. You beat the they beat the Bruins tomorrow night and the Leafs on Thursday because it's going to be a very electric atmosphere on Thursday. A lot of Bruins fans down at the dome for when Boston's in town mm-hmm. too. But Thursday is going to be a lot of blue at the dome, and you win that emotional game. Mm-hmm. People be like, "Go get something at the deadline here. Get this team into the playoffs." Because winning we around, just, winning, we just, sorry, go ahead, go Dad. ahead. Winning around to me would be a successful season it's for the Calgary it, Flames. This is it. All comes down to the
3: goaltending for us, uh, team right now. And, and nothing I'm seeing is gonna make it change right now. Both Markstrom and Valdar, we've talked about it. worst team save percentage since the All Star break. There's nothing showing that I, that these guys are gonna pick up play right now. They go out and shut these two, uh, shut out these two teams. Sure, great, but like no. <laughs> Nothing is showing me that and vladar can be the guys that can do it come playoff time.
1: You could also call up that kid from the minors. That was a little talk they had on the post game yesterday oh, or on, on Saturday. And maybe he has, you call up this kid, give him a shot. He's never faced NHL shooters. You give him a shot. Hey, maybe he pulls an Andrew Hammond and he's like the Hamburglar of the flames and goes on this incredible run. What do you got <laughs> to lose? What Markstrom can't take a fa- a phantom injury and miss a couple games here? You don't think he'd like the break? <laughs> I um, it happens a lot in the NHL. Yeah, where there's something that just acts up, gotta yep. get this dealt with. Back spasm for Jacob Markstrom. He's out the next two games. Here comes Dustin Wolf. Um, I wouldn't rule it out. I would deem
2: it unlikely, just because. But again, this team has shown like they want to protect young Dustin Wolf, but desperate times call for desperate measures right you know it's one of those things we said about jacob peltier when he got called up they probably need an injury to happen for him to get in and then finally had an injury he got in he hasn't come out of the lineup since
0: yeah
1: you never know uh what else we got texty
0: jamie and airdrie rnr i don't think think these next two games should be the deciding factor on whether the flames make some moves at the deadline Win or lose these games, I think the Flames have to bring some new blood into the room and make a push. Their roster already dictates that. Just get into the dance, boys. There you go.
1: Just get into the dance and let's see what can happen. Never knew who will say yes. Outside of the Avalanche, and I know they've never won in Vegas, and Mm -hmm. I get that. Mm -hmm. But Vegas has also fallen apart, missed the playoffs last year, and has gagged away playoff series before. And their goaltending, certainly, and again, the Flames' goaltending has been terrible. We, we, we've we been talking about it. But Vegas' goaltending doesn't scare you either. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, man, you, you turn the like page, they right? They should have won that game last week. You had it won. They they dominated Vegas in that first period. They were all over them. And then that back-breaking White Cloud goal changed the whole game on its head. And here's the other thing. You get into the postseason, and you never
2: know what will happen, right? Like... There's been so many instances where one guy starts, the next guy gets hot. You think about Braden Holpe in the Washington Capitals. He didn't start that playoff run. Ended up leading them to a Stanley Cup alongside Ovi and all that group. So, I don't um, know. We, a little bit of optimism for you. Okay. At
1: 7 in the morning on a Monday. Uh, let's keep the text going because I don't want to make Joe Siddle wait. Yep. Let's, let's keep the text going here and then we'll give something away. A
2: little later on? Yeah, because Love it.
1: I, I wanted to give it away here, but we didn't get to too many texts. Um, keep going in 960 960 name and location should the next two games against the Bruins and the Maple Leafs influence what the Flames do 960 960 name and location you have a chance to win a pair of tickets to the fifth annual Cowboys wing off which goes down Thursday March 9th straight ahead uh, Joe Sittle, Blue Jays analyst for Sportsnet and real quickly uh, Maddie um, can I get two dings um, Alex uh, Patrick texted me three words. Uh-huh. Hiatus and uh, nurture were on that list, and I've nailed two of them already. Easy words again. Easy. Easy words. Third Easy. one might be a little tough. It is, but I'm going to try to incorporate it in the next 90 minutes. It's the big show, Wrestling and Rose. Sports at 960, the fan.
2: Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show.
1: Monday, it's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, downtown studio at the top of the hour, Flames analyst for Sportsnet 960, our man Peter Labardius, and then Billy Jaffe, Bruins analyst for Nesson. But right now, joining us on the line, talking about that pitch clock and some spring training action, Joe Siddle, Blue Jays analyst for Sportsnet, former Major League Baseball catcher on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Joe, good morning. How are you?
4: Good morning, gentlemen. All is well.
1: Uh, Joe, I, I, was, uh, I was thinking about the pitch clock and, and watching the game on Saturday. I, the, the one thing that popped into my mind was how would Cowboy Joe West handle the pitch clock, Joe?
4: <laughs> well, I'd like to think we all have <laughs> it in us to adapt and adjust yeah. a little bit. And I'll be the first one to admit when I first heard about these rules being experimented with in the minor leagues the last couple of years, I rolled my eyes. I don't. I'm resistant to change. I'm in that category, and I'm sure Joe West is that to the nth degree. <laughs> but um, you know, the more I've watched baseball over these last few years, and in a different role, obviously as a broadcaster, but as you can imagine, watching every pitch of every game and the flow of the game and everything that happens, the strategy and all the games, the the, the game I believe has come has become so smart with the analytics in baseball now that it's actually, I think, hurt the product. It has not been as good a game to watch. So good on Major League Baseball for these experiments and and making sure they dotted I's and crossed T's before they implemented these things. I do believe that as a player, a lot of these guys are going to be for it. They will adapt. They're the best players in the world, especially with the pitch clock. Uh, Joe West, he may not have adapted, but he's gone. So we don't have to worry about Joe. <laughs> um, do you
1: catch yourself watching the clock a lot when, when you're watching these games? I know it's, it's the infancy and all of this at the Major League Baseball level, and we'll all get used to it. But right now, Joe, watching that game with the Blue Jays on Saturday against the Yankees, like I'm, I'm watching the clock a lot and I'm like, OK, it's it's oh, no, it's a it's it's counting down. It's, it's almost zero. It's almost zero. Throw the pitch. Throw the pitch. Do you kind of find the same thing?
4: Yeah, I think all of us were doing that early on here in these first couple of games. But even after just a, a couple of days here, I'm already of the mindset that, like, I don't think on TV we need to see it. Because, really, it's it's a non-issue. And so, like, I don't think I want to be watching a game, and this is even as a fan now, watching the game on TV to see this clock moving and all. Because, really, it's a non-factor, and it's going to be a non-factor as we move forward and everybody adjusts to it. So why have that? I get why we see it all now, because you talked about the infancy. But I don't see why we'll need to see it, to be honest with you. You saw the numbers of all uh, what they did in the minor leagues and how they – sure, it'll take a couple weeks, of course, here in spring training, maybe three or four. But what a perfect time to get all of these guys adjusted to it. I don't see a problem, really, at all. Once the season starts, most guys – will have made the adjustment.
1: Um, Joe, I can't think of a rule in North American major professional sports that will flip the sport more on its head. Um, there's hmm. nothing worse. I know you love the game, and I know it's America's pastime, but four-hour baseball games, that's not thats not good for anybody, uh, even if it's a nine-inning game. If games are really going to go two and a half hours here that they're timing out with the pitch clock, and it feels like it's continuous action, how is there even remotely a negative to any of this?
4: Well, uh, you know, I was just a minute ago. I admitted to you, right? I'm resistant to change. It's right. the tradition. It's the, uh, uh, yes, I, I do feel that way. But at the same time, if I wasn't working in the game, maybe I wouldn't have noticed it as much because I wouldn't be watching baseball as intently over the last number of years. But because I have, I am in total agreement of a change. But, you know, if there is a game, and there have been a couple over three hours, but if there is a game right now, that if the Blue Jays go three hours and 20 minutes today because it's 13 to t- 11, Score, it's going to be paced though. There's going to be yep. continue act, continued action, and that's the difference. You know, the four hour game you're referring to, or even three and a half hour games. I mean, there are so many times Jamie and I are sitting at our desk at the Rogers Center there, and it's like the top of the fifth inning at nine o'clock, <laughs> nine <laughs> o'clock on a Tuesday night, and it's just it's just. I don't think it's good for the product. It's not good for the audience. I've had a lot of people say to me that you know it's getting to the point now where it's like you know a couple of couples go out, four of us go to a game but we're hesitant to do it anymore because we don't want to be there now i get that there is no clock in baseball all these years and that's the beauty of the sport but it just i think it came to a head and uh, good on baseball for doing something
0: about it
2: now with these changes in the off season we hear about them and i think we generate an opinion but until we actually see it in action and, and our raw emotions in the moment come to light, uh, that's when we actually understand how we feel about these rule changes. So what were your emotions when you saw some games end on pitch count violations?
4: Well, my emotion is that there's way too much reaction to it because mm-hmm. it's the first few days of spring. And as I said, these guys will adapt. And, you know, the first one I think I saw was Manny Machado the first day. Well, I said the other day, I think it was on Tim and Friends. I said to Tim, I said, that's just Manny being Manny. He did it on purpose. <laughs> he just wanted the attention of on when his clock and see if he calls it on me. And he did, and good on the umpire for doing that. But the way that one Red Sox game ended, hey, none of us, nobody, that's the worst nightmare of Major League Baseball to have that happen. But again, it's February. That will, I guarantee you, that is not going to happen. I shouldn't guarantee, but I cannot <laughs> see that happening even in June, let alone October.
2: So are there any issues that you think are going to maybe bubble up over the course of the season? Because with these rule changes, everyone always tries to get an inside track. Do you think there's going to be anything that starts to come from the, the pitch count, maybe in particular?
4: It's interesting you ask that because I think with anytime you bring in something new like that, and I refer back to the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the home plate collision rule, how many times it had to be tweaked, right? There were just so many gray areas, where the catcher was and how the runner was coming in. So I don't doubt things might have to be tweaked. I think watching a little bit here these first few days of spring training, if there is anything I could probably add or suggest is maybe will that 15 seconds be adapted? Like, not that it's too fast. I think a lot of the the pitchers and hitters were almost looked rushed, but it's because, of course, it's new and they want to make sure they don't get called on it. But you also don't want things to get too rushed. And we all agree. And I think relief pitchers are probably the biggest culprits and hitters too. Remember hitters are, this is called a pitch clock, but the hitters are to blame for this thing too. But, you know, relievers are pitching in high leverage situations when it's two, two in the eighth inning. And pitchers are taking time. Now, we know the Kenley Jansons of the world and some of those guys, it's gotten ridiculous. But you also don't want that rush. I want Alec Manoa to take a step back off the pitching rubber, take a deep breath, and come back and make that 2-2 pitch. Those sorts of things. And I do think that's good for the game. So maybe that 15 seconds might get tweaked. Maybe it'll go to 18. Maybe it'll go all the way to 20, just like they're with runners on base. Hmm. I can see something like that. Um, I, I'm going to be watching closely at how pitchers hold runners, because this is going back several years now, where stolen bases were more apparent and you, you had to pay attention. I mean, when I was catching, I had to, you know, pitchers had to be about 1.3 to home plate. You have to give a catcher a chance. So you have to alter your delivery. It might be a slide step, but you know what pitchers are, they're resistant to change too. It's very difficult. We've already seen Romano kind of abbreviated leg kick at times. So that can alter your delivery. So all of these things that, especially for, to me, the pitchers, the adjustments they're going to have to make with possibly more base running and altering their deliveries and all, maybe you don't have the same quality on that pitch. Maybe that slider hangs up in the zone. So those sorts of things, I think, can be advantage hitter. And I think it's a good thing, too, because really there aren't a whole lot of advantages to hitters in all the game and what's going on the last few years.
1: Joe Siddle, Blue Jays analyst for Sportsnet, former Major League Baseball catcher, joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big news uh, this morning, um, Joe. James Click, the guy who used to be the general manager of the Houston Astros, obviously booted after that cheating scandal, is now uh, the vice president of baseball strategy with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, your, your thoughts on this move, and does this feel like maybe a succession plan for Ross Atkins if he's not here (laughs) long-term?
4: That's the first question, is it? No, I don't. I mean, I just think you (laughs) add wherever you can add to get better. I mean, how many times have we heard Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins over the last number of years talk about trying to get better every day, and uh, they certainly feel that this guy's got the resume to help them get better in the front office and in whatever that role is going to be. So no, you, you add where you can. I I don't think I read into it like that at all. This team is in a very, very good place. It's taken some time to get here with the work that they have done, but I think we'd all agree. And I would, I didn't go back. And of course the pandemic hit and all, but even around 19 and 20, there were, that's where I was, I remember having interviews just like this saying that I think realistically you're looking at 22 and 23 for this team to be really front and center and competing and making a deep run in the playoffs. And I think we're all hoping for it last year. Of course, it didn't happen. But this year and next to me, and you can call it what you want. I'm going to call it a window. I'm calling it the Vladdy and Bo window because they have three years left in Blue Jays uniforms if they're not extended. And um, when you have two players like that, homegrown, that come up at the same time, that doesn't happen very often. And then you add a Manoa to that mix. So I, I think you, you plan to get better. And this is, this is a, a lot of work that both Ross and Mark have put in here. And I can't imagine why you're, you're thinking about succession plans. You just think about continuing to get smarter and to get better.
2: Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with a couple home runs to get the uh, spring training schedule started. Are you seeing a little bit more shades of 2021, Vladdy, here through a couple weeks of camp?
4: I don't want to say not yet, but not yet. You know, I mean, he had a couple home runs in a couple <laughs> games here. It's almost like where I, um, I, I feel the same way with hitters right now as I do with pitchers when I keep hearing about all these velocities. I mean, I don't care what a pitcher's velocity is right now in the end of February. I really don't. You're not going to impress me because you're throwing 98 or 100 right now. I don't care. <laughs> I want to see these guys pitch Get their feet wet, and then around mid-March, in the last couple of weeks of spring, when they're ramping up, and you're talking about opening day rosters and starting the season, that to me is more important. Uh, much like Vladdy, I mean Vlady Vladdy, Vladdy can hit home runs in his sleep. He is just beyond talented. And um, you know, I, I keep, I have to refer back again to last year. I mean, I will just right away say he did not have a very good year. But that's because he's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. What we expect of him and what we know he's capable of. And that was more like the MVP caliber season that we saw in the past. And so we'll see, we'll see what what that's like. And I'm sure he's going to have an absolute blast going to play in the WBC players talk very highly of that. Mm. That'll help him too. In terms especially the emotions, right? I mean, this is where the passion of the game really comes out. And these guys make an awful lot of money playing in the big leagues, but when you play for your country, it's just that kind of next level. So it'd be fun to see him go play there and then come back and, and get ready to rock and roll. And hopefully that gears him up more than anything. For another MVP caliber season,
1: Joe, how ridiculous is that Dominican Republic team? <laughs> <clears throat>
4: Man, I, I just you know I, I've got mixed feelings on the WBC. I'm sure everybody does. Like I, I was negative about it before, and I said, "Geez, they're in the middle of spring training. Like if I'm a general manager, this is just kind of rotting me. Like how do you want? You don't want you lose players in the middle of spring, and you're trying to." put things together and all, and, you know, Barrios is going, Puerto Rico, and Vladdy's going, and you just, you just rather everybody all together. But there's just no good time for this. And then when it comes around, guess what? I'll be the number one fan watching this and, <laughs> and cheering it on. And, yeah, some of these teams are, are really, really stacked. And uh, it's unfortunate. Not un- I shouldn't say it's unfortunate. It's not unfortunate. I actually greatly respect the decisions by Manoa and Romano to not play. As I said, these, these guys know what it's about, and they know what they're, they're at that point in their career, where, especially Jordan now, where he is just on that brink into stardom, right? So he wants to make sure he's prepared for his season. So while we're all going to watch it and follow it and love it, mm-hmm. I think you and I both know all of our eyes are going to be on Dunedin and this team as they get ready to break camp.
2: Going back to your answer on uh, <laughs> Vladdy there, Joe. um Nate Pearson going and throwing his eighth hardest pitch. That didn't do it for you uh, in spring training over the course of the weekend.
4: You had to go there, did you, Maddie? I had no. to. <laughs> no, you know, look, we, we've seen Nate Pearson do this, right? We, we've seen that. Yeah. But what I will say that I'm encouraged about is here we are a couple of years later now. It's 2023. He's doing it. We're seeing that sharp break. We threw a couple of breaking balls. I, I caught a little bit of the highlights of the game from, from yesterday, that, which is great. That's, that's great. I, I, I think it's great. But, again, I I always caution anyone to evaluate things in spring training because I can tell you right now, if I'm behind the plate or if a pitcher's on the mound or a hitter's in the box in a spring training game, it is nothing like what they're going to be when they're doing it in St. Louis at the start of the season or the Rogers center about a week and a half into the season. It's just next level stuff. You're facing different lineups. The adrenaline's different. Everything's different. And the stage the environment is so different that that's why I really have to wait until then. So hopefully Nick Pearson makes this team out of the bullpen. that'd be wonderful. But yeah. what I'll do is I'll have this conversation with you around the end of April to see how it's going. <laughs> because that to me is the true time to, to really evaluate, but Hey, all, encouraging signs are great. We I'm love gonna, that. I'm going to put but it in Yep. I, yeah, there you go. But I don't jump too far ahead of myself. I've learned that over the years. Uh,
1: speaking of encouraging things, uh, Joe, uh, how interested are you to see what the baseball is going to be like at the renovated Rogers Center?
4: Very cool. You know, I've seen everything probably online like a lot of you have. And it's just I, the, the saying for me, and we've heard Mark Shapiro say it so many times, that does it for me is they've changed a stadium into a ballpark. And it's, while that sounds funny. It, it really is because you almost saw it as a football stadium where they played baseball, but now it's going to be more of a baseball park. And I think, especially after the work they do next winter, it's going to be really cool. Uh, I'm anxious myself to see where Jamie and I are going to be <laughs> up in the Ferrari set. And, uh, but the fences, I think everything that they've done, that that's the part of baseball. One big part of baseball that I love. I know a lot of people wish that baseball would be like the other sports and they should be all symmetrical fields. That's playing surfaces that they play on. I love that about baseball, that you have the different, different distances for fences, different heights and the way it juts in and jets out and does all these different things makes the each ballpark very unique. And I think it's going to make the Rogers center very unique. And I don't doubt that is part of the reason why they went out and tried to really greatly improve their outfield defense because that is going to be quirky out there in, in the outfield.
2: I was fascinated listening to one of the broadcasts and they did, had Kevin Kiermeyer doing one of the interviews during the game and he was talking about the new dimensions. How long do you think it'll take players to get used to some of the changes out there?
4: It'll, it'll take a few of those balls where, you know, an outfitter thinks he's got room to go get it and he goes to the wall but runs out of room and then it goes off the top of the wall, right? So those are the those are the trickiest decisions probably to make. So they'll have to really get that range down. But also with that range, the height of the wall matters because if it's shorter, like in center field, Kuhmeyer can go ahead and go for it because he knows he can jump up and over. But if you do that where the wall is, what, like 10 feet, it can still hit the wall and bounce all the way back. I think a big factor of that is not only the the outfielder going for the ball, but the other guys covering up. Because if Springer's going to go in right field where the wall is, is high at one place, he can kind of go for it. But Kiermeyer's going to have to jut over from center to make sure he's backing up in case that ball comes off the wall. I'm sure there'll be a lot of communication. It'll take a little bit of time, but anytime you improve your outfield defense, I think they 've gotten very athletic out there which is great and uh, hey we all love Gurriel and Teostra but we know hmm. we also saw some adventures out there so that'll help and um, you know it's uh, you're certainly giving up offense those are two very good big league hitters that are gone right now but uh, if you improve your defense and we know that you can save some runs that way it can work too wanted
2: to ask about Don Mattingly as well uh, feels like every mm-hmm. interview someone is raving about just his persona and, and what he's brought to the club in a short amount of time what do you think the Kind of reach he can have on this group is
4: you know it's just another sounding board I don't know Don at all, and I'm very much looking forward to mm. meeting him this coming week when I head to Florida but you know the resume I, I what I loved about him as a player is his demeanor, and what I loved about him as a manager was his demeanor that's that, that's one thing that players i i want I feel like a lot of players gravitate to that um, we're all different learners we, we all react differently to different teachers per se but for a Boba maybe after an at bat to, to be in Donnie's ear, maybe after he grounds out to second base or for Vladi to come back and Donnie be in his ear, because how can you not take that wealth of experience? Yes. He was a left-handed hitter, but hitting can be hitting a lot of times and the wealth of information and insight that he can provide. I think he's only going to be a help and, a, and an extra piece in terms of the, the hitting strategy, because these guys, and I just mentioned two two very good hitters, obviously in, Bo and vladdy but these guys are next level with they're super super talented but really good hitters are often more cerebral than you think like there is a lot going on between the ears so when you get a don mattingly now to join those conversations with these guys it can only help so i was shocked i was shocked when i heard the news that don mattingly's being named as the blue jays bench coach and uh and blue jays fans should be doing jumping jacks over that one because that's uh, that's a nice ad
1: uh, Joe, before I let you go, just please tell me this is the year the Rays take a step back. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: Awkward silence. <laughs> yeah. Damn those Rays, you know, Joe. So damn those so Rays true. and the trough. Yeah. And the so trough. They're just—you can never do that, can you? You just that. Look at their pitching right now. I mean, we always said—even remember when Charlie came over here, he always preached pre- pitching a defense, pitching a defense. Well, this could be the best rotation they've ever had, isn't it? Yeah, It's crazy. It's, it's I don't gross. think we're going to see too many openers for the Rays this year.
1: No. Uh, <laughs> and I just I hate how they just took the fun out of baseball. You talked about it no. earlier. <laughs> they're, they're the poster child of taking fun out of baseball. But it's going to be interesting when those shifts, the bigger bases, and obviously the pitch clock. Uh, Joe Siddle, Sportsnet Blue Jays analyst, former Major League Baseball catcher. Joe, always fun. We'll catch up with you throughout the season. Thanks for this. All
4: right, George. Matty, you guys have a good day.
1: Uh, there he is, Joe Sittle on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret mm-hmm. recipe since 1975. in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Like, I, it's 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 night and day watching the pitch clock, and I think it was really interesting what Joe was talking about, how there's going to be these different situations with the pitch clock and how it's going to look like. It just feel like it's just going to be a serendipitous situation where, oh, okay, no, we're going to do this now with the pitch clock. We're going to do this with the pitch clock. I just, it's just, it feels like it's going to change the game.
2: No, I'm not, I'm not rebutting. Okay. I'm not,
1: I'm All not right. going to play your game. I'm putting my foot down. That's three. Serendipitous. Yeah. In the bank. All right. Uh, straight ahead. <sighs> Peter Labardius, uh, Flames Analyst for Sports at Night. I'm enjoying
2: the Sports Step broadcast because I like the interviews that they do during the games. And I thought it was really good to hear Kevin Kiermeyer and John Schneider talk. That's what I wanted
1: to say. Yeah. serendipitous. They need more of that. Kick rocks. They need more of that. Bud. Um, they need more of that in baseball, by the way, talking to the guys on the field. It's
2: like one of the only reasons to watch spring training is because they do like three or like, four throughout the course of the game. And el- John,
1: and they're all so relaxed because you haven't lost a game yet, so nobody cares. No, but how electric was it when Manoa was on the mound at the All-Star game?
2: Oh, it was so good. Talking and to John talking, Smoltz. Yeah, it was yeah. so good.
1: Yeah, what should I throw here? Like, how awesome was that? Yeah. Not that Joe Siddles will be they like... They should do it in regu- like, regular I, regular
2: broadcast with Siddles in the yeah. air. <laughs>
1: uh, Kikuchi, just throw a strike. I think that's what you should do here. Does it have to go just through throw a translator a on the yeah, way down? Maybe. Or? I don't know. Just throw a strike. Um, Peter <laughs> Labardius will join us straight ahead. Billy Jaffe on the Boston Bruins. We didn't give away those tickets yet. Nope. We'll do it after Billy Jaffe. 960-960, name and location. Should these next two games against the Bruins and Maple Leafs influence what the Flames do at the deadline? One more hour to go. We'll have our portion of the big show. Russick mm. and Rose at 960, the fan.